The red and white lights of the ambulance flashed against the trees in the yard, throwing leaf-patterned shadows against the face of the house. In each burst of light, I saw the coroner as he exited the front door and carted Terry Katz's body down the walkway. There were police everywhere by then. One of the officers came up and pointed in my direction. He wanted me to move aside to clear a path. Stepping out of the way, I watched as the coroner passed. Suddenly I found myself fighting off the urge to reach out and stop him from taking Terry away. I wiped at the tears welling up in my eyes. But it made no difference. Everything around me remained blurry and distorted. I looked on as the coroner came to a stop at the back of his van and forcefully swung its rear doors open. An hour or so after Terry had killed himself, the coroner and paramedics attempted to stuff all six feet and two inches of him into a plastic body bag, only to find out there wasn't enough room. His giant snakeskin boots, size 12, were left sticking out of the end. I couldn't stop staring at them. Over the years, along with his bright grin and happy-go-lucky personality, those cowboy boots had become his trademark. My mind wandered. I thought back to the first time I had seen Terry's vibrant smile. It was the day I joined Jimmy Ford and the executives, a band he and Walt Parizader were already playing in. Despite the fact that I was a 16-year-old drummer and they were both more experienced players, the three of us hit it off and were inseparable from then on. On that day, Terry, Walt, and I set out on the ultimate musical journey. We went on to grind it out in Chicago's club circuit in the early days as members of groups like The Missing Links and The Big Thing. Together with our bandmates, Jimmy Panko, Lee Lochnane, Robert Lamb, and Peter Cetera, we eventually picked up and moved from our hometown of Chicago to the West Coast to chase after our dream. We were determined to make a name for ourselves. And together we did. Our group, Chicago, went on to become one of the best-selling American bands ever. I remembered the times Terry and I locked eyes on stage after we broke big and opened for rock legends like Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix. I recalled watching him blaze through his guitar solos at festival shows in front of a hundred thousand screaming fans. Finally, I thought back to the last time I had seen Terry. It was weeks earlier at my house for a summer cookout. He was alive, but not well, and more strung out than ever. The coke and booze had taken their toll on his body and mind. I'm going to get things under control, Terry had assured me. If I don't, this stuff is going to kill me. His words echoed in my head as I realized I would never lock eyes with him on stage again. I would never catch another glimpse of Terry smiling back at me. Our journey was over. After they loaded Terry's body, the coroner shifted the van into gear. It soon inched down the driveway and out onto the street. I shuffled after the truck, staring at its flashing lights as they burned white dots into my field of vision. As much as it hurt my eyes, 
I couldn't bring myself to look away. I should have done more, I told myself. We all should have done more. Terry deserved a better exit from this life. There were too many questions and no answers. The only thing certain was that Terry Kath, a guy I had considered my brother and musical soulmate since we were teenagers, was gone forever. The van continued down the block and disappeared around the corner. As soon as the sound of its engine fell away, there was nothing but silence. I stood alone in the driveway, wondering where it had all gone wrong on that dark Los Angeles night.